Ah, and we are live. Welcome back to Takes by Fans. We got a great show for you today. As always, we are live every single day at noon Eastern. If you want to watch live, head over to takesbyfans.com slash watch. If you want to watch but not live, head over to our YouTube channel, Takes by Fans. We post all of our shows and clips of the show there on a daily basis. And if you just want to listen, we are on podcasting apps, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio. So however you want to watch or listen, we've got you covered multiple ways. Alrighty, today's a big old Friday, folks. We have to make our official picks for Week 15 in the NFL and try to get that coveted, elusive 6-4-6. Just came up inches short last week, only going 5-6. of six. So making our official picks. Today on the show, we've got to break down the game that kicked off Week 15 in the NFL last night. Chiefs at Chargers, and what a wild game that was. Explosive second half. Brandon Staley doing classic Brandon Staley things going forward on fourth down four times in that game. And unfortunately, they come up with the loss, so there's a lot to talk about there, folks. We'll get into it. Uh, there's a lot of stories that we have to kind of cover, uh, you know, that were kind of sprinkled in throughout the week that we'll touch upon. Uh, hearing from, obviously, the Urban Meyer saga, continuing with that. We'll hear from Dak Prescott and some other things going around with the whole COVID and all that. And um, what else we got to do? Our NBA Daily 10. So that's what we've got today on the show. So let's uh, start the clock here. Let's get 10 minutes here on the clock. Here we go. Next 10 minutes, uninterrupted basketball talk of what just happened yesterday in the NBA. So here we go. 10 minutes on the clock in the 10-minute start right now. Alrighty. Just a handful of games on in the NBA last night. And we didn't make any official pick. And I was this close, folks. I was this close of taking the Knicks minus five when we went live on our primetime Pro Bowl voting special last night at 7 p.m. Eastern. But I decided to keep it strictly football and didn't give y'all that nugget of Knicks minus five that did hit because they won by 13. So I truly apologize for keeping that great pick away from y'all. But uh, we'll make up for that today because there are a lot of games on and we'll be able to find the value. So I apologize for not giving y'all that winning pick last night. Damn it. All right, but here we go. Let's start with the first game up here, Pistons at the Pacers, and these are two not good teams, folks. So Pacers can get this win, or yeah, Pacers can get this win. This is what we know about them. They get the win 122 to 113 over the Pistons. Let's start here with the Pacers since they got the win. DeBontis Sabonis, folks, 12 points. He had nine rebounds, six assists. That was enough to get it done. He was also the only starting player here for the Pacers to be a plus on the floor. It's a bonus, a plus five. Uh, or I apologize. Carousel Vert was a plus one, so I guess we give him credit. Everybody else was a minus. Justin Holiday a minus one. Miles Turner, a minus one. And Brad Wanamaker, a minus eight on the floor. So Carousel Vert, 31 points, and the hugest reason why they won the game last night. Uh, he shot very well, 66% on 18 shots. Fantastic. Didn't drain a three, but still will take those 31 points. Five assists, three rebounds. Absolutely great night by him. 
Brad Wanamaker, six points, three assists, and then Miles Turner, 16 points and seven rebounds. They also got some solid bench production here from Chris Duarte, 15 points, nine rebounds. He was a plus 18 on the floor. The bench here of the Pacers truly got it done. And then Jeremy Lamb, 11 points and six assists, a plus 13 on the floor. And let's also shout out O'Shea Brissett, nine points, four rebounds, or uh, four rebounds, yep, uh, in 20 minutes of play and a plus 15 on the floor. So Pacers are able to be you know, not good teams like the Pistons, and the Pistons are not good. Sadiq Bay, 28 points. He led the team in scoring. That was great, but no Jeremy Grant last night, so definitely no way the Pistons win. So we'll give credit to Sadiq Bay for stepping it up here. 28 points, 10 rebounds, 5 assists. That was all very, very well done. We had Isaiah Stewart with 9 points, 9 rebounds. Cade Cunningham, 19 points, 4 assists, 6 rebounds. He's just getting better and better as the season progresses, but there's nobody that that we can rely on and count on, and they don't even have, uh, I guess, uh, do we even count Jeremy Grant the one superstar? Y'all know our rule of, hey, you really need three superstars on your team if you want a chance to win the finals, and this Pistons team is nowhere near that. They got some good bench production because it doesn't really matter from the starters to the bench. It's all just kind of the same out here because there's no great extravagant talent on this Pistons team. Frank Jackson, 18 points off the bench. Trey Lyles, 10 points, 3 assists, 3 rebounds off the bench. And then Saban Lee, 11 points, 5 assists off the bench. So Pacers get the win, 122-113, to 113, and the Pacers win. Congratulations to the Pacers for beating the Pistons, getting a win. What are they in their last 10, folks? What do we got for this Pacers team in this last 10? They're 4-6 and six in their last 10, folks. Nothing good at all. All right, next game up here, 76ers at the Nets. And once again, folks, I'm real disappointed and upset with this 76ers team. This was not the 76ers team of kind of the first month of the season. They go down last night and beat and lose to the Nets here, 114-105. Uh, Nets get the win here. Kevin Durant did his thing. It was going absolutely manic. Once again, no James Harden, so Patty Mills fills in for him at the one here. But let's uh, stick with Kevin Durant first. Kevin Durant, 34 points, 8 assists. 11 rebounds. It was just hitting some clutch threes right in his face. I mean, one of the purest shooters in the league. Not as good as a three-point shooter as Steph Curry, but I mean, just an overall great score. Will rise up, up will rise up up over you and just drain it right in your grill and he did it at the highest level over LeBron James in the NBA Finals so he can do it on a Thursday night against the 76ers of course he can so Kevin Durant truly got it done Blake Griffin 17 points 9 rebounds he's still you know falling in love with the 3 point shot 1 to 5 from the 3 we had Nicholas Claxton uh, at the five here, 17 points, two rebounds. Patty Mills, 14 points, five rebounds. And then let's also shout out David Duke Jr., folks. In 32 minutes, he was a plus 20 on the floor. He wasn't anything spectacular offensively, six points on seven shots. That's nothing great. Two assists, four rebounds, but a plus 20 on the floor. You got to give him some nice kind of uh, ball movement on the floor and uh, some good defensive points as well so we'll give David Duke some credit here stepping up in the starting lineup and being a force on the floor 
And then off the bench here, we got Cam Thomas, 11 points, and Kessler Edwards with 9 points. Enough for the Nets to get the win. And then for the 76ers, once again, basically their starting lineup, folks. Unfortunately, no Tyrese Maxey last night. That truly kind of hurts the squad because we know he's just a great facilitator, point guard. So they moved Shake Milton up to the 1, and he had a solid night. 13 points, 6 rebounds. Unfortunately, no assists, and that's kind of the biggest thing you got to do at kind of the 1 you know, that the point guard be the facilitator. So they were, they were definitely missing that with Tyrese Maxey, and that's why we love Tyrese Maxey as much as we do because he is truly getting it done and very consistent here. Uh, Seth Curry stepped up last night. Love to see this man back, kind of, you know, number two score. I mean, Seth Curry truly could be the number two score for this 76ers team. Obviously, number one is going to be Joel Embiid. He can stretch the floor with the threes, and then obviously he's a monster down low. Uh, Seth Curry, Tobias Harris, you know, those – both of those players can be kind of that number two option on a nightly basis. So we've seen Seth Curry take a little bit of a uh, struggle here ever since, you know, the 76ers team has started to struggle. Um, so Seth Curry getting it done last night. Great sign. 29 points, four assists, three rebounds, and he shot 61%. Joel Embiid, 32 points, nine rebounds, six assists. Tobias Harris, 11 points, five assists, seven rebounds. So all of that was good, but then they didn't really get anything great off the bench. Matisse Dybul was the best bench player here. Eight points. And then Danny Green, just the classic eight points on two of seven from three. Nothing truly that impactful. So 76ers just kind of uh, missing that spark, missing that dominant factor that they had in the beginning of the season here. And I hope that they can reclaim it because watching the 76ers, folks, this you know one of the most entertaining teams with Embiid and Seth Curry and then Tyrese Maxey. Uh, I, I love how they all play together and can move the ball around the floor and they can stretch it everywhere because they've got the shooters and they've got obviously the big beef down low. So we'll see what's going to happen with the 76ers team. But they lost last night, 114-105. All right, then we get the Knicks at the Rockets, the game we should have bet last night. Darn, darn, darn. Knicks get the win. They covered the five. All that was good. Knicks win 116-103. And once again, folks, this Rockets team is not good. Yes, they got hot. They got, you know, seven straight. But Daniel Tice is still playing, folks. So, of course. And Daniel Tice was the leading scorer for the Rockets last night. So, of course, they're not going to win, folks. Um, I, I guess all jokes aside, Daniel Tice had a really good night last night, folks. So I guess, I guess, even the worst players in the league have one good night a year, folks. And this was it. But the Rockets, they don't cover. They don't win. So what does that tell us? Not a good team overall. Don't fall in love on that seven-game win streak. I saw a lot of people kind of say that this Rockets team are contenders now because of that seven-game winning streak. Uh, I don't know if that's the best call to have right there. So Daniel Tice, 22 points, 10 rebounds. He was a plus 10 on the floor. That was the best out of everybody on the team. So I guess we give a little bit of a round of applause to Daniel Tice. We had Ja'Shawn Tate, 20 points. Uh, we had Garrison Matthews, 17 points, 7 rebounds. And then Kenyon Martin Jr. off the bench with 15 points, 5 assists, and 5 rebounds. Unfortunately, no Christian Wood, which is the Rockets' only great piece here. And that's why they floundered last night. And then for the Knicks, finally getting it done. Derrick Rose in the starting lineup, but only for 12 minutes, zero points and one assist in 11 minutes and 12 minutes. Not getting it done, as we see. Uh, Evan Fournier, finally something good, something decent. We need this this type of production consistently by him. Evan Fournier, 23 points. He shot three of six from the three, 66% on 12 shots. That's what we need to see out of Evan Fournier. We get Julius Randle with 21 points, six assists, six rebounds. No R.J. Barrett last night, so Alec Burks fills in. 
Flynn at the three, nine points, nine rebounds. He was a plus 13 on the floor, but he was not efficient at all. 20% shooting on 10 shots. The bench for the Knicks was kind of the hero for them last night. We get Emmanuel quickly led the team in scoring. 24 points, 4 assists, 4 rebounds. Mitchell Robinson, 17 points, 9 rebounds. And Miles McBride, 15 points, 4 steals, and 9 assists. So we know the depth here of the Knicks is the best thing about them. The guards still have to figure out their level of play a little bit more consistently. But the Knicks can beat kind of the below average teams like the Rockets. And that's exactly what happened last night. Knicks get the 13-point win, 116-103. And then the last... Last game on last night, Wizards at the Suns, and the Suns get the dominant 118-98 win. That is our 10 minutes, but we've got this last game to finish up, so let's finish it up here. Uh, Wizards at the Suns, Suns get the win 118-98 here, and once again, the Wizards, we get Kyle Kuzma, a minus 33 on the floor, folks. A minus 33 on the floor, the worst by far. Second worst by far was KCP, minus 23 on the floor, and then the the second worst was Bradley Beal, putting up 26 points, 5 assists, 3 rebounds, shooting fantastic, 61% on 18 shots. He was only a minus 17. Respectable, dignitable right there, folks. Minus 17 on the floor. But Kyle Kuzma, real up and down all season long, nothing consistent. And for that, that's why we don't buy the Wizards. That's why we don't buy Kyle Kuzma. We need the consistency, folks. That's why we're here every single day talking the NBA. Talking the NFL, we need to see the consistency. If we can see the consistency, then we can start buying, embedding, and believing on these teams and players. And we don't believe in this Wizards team or Kyle Kuzma. It's such a pity. All right, we had Daniel Gafford at the five, no points, five rebounds on three shots. Uh, Aaron Holiday, 11 points. The bench kind of had some solid production right here, and we kind of like this bench here for the Wizards. It's just they don't have kind of that second superstar. You get Bradley Beal, and that's all good and well, but you don't have that kind of number two. But off the bench here, Raul Neto, 11 points. Denny Avidajay, 14 points, four assists, four rebounds. And then our man Montrez Harold, 12.7 rebounds. Fantastic. So we'll see what happens with this Wizards team as they progress, but it's just nothing great. And then for the Suns, continuing on their dominance with no Devin Booker. you love to see it. Uh, Laundry Shamit still filling in at the two for Devin Booker. Was the second leading scorer for the squad, 16 points. Leading score. Can you take a guess? Take a shot at the dark, folks, of who was the leading scorer for the Suns last night. Are y'all ready for this? JaVale McGee, 17 points in only 15 minutes. Amazing. And everybody was getting it done for the Suns last night. We had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight players all in double-digit scoring. And I'll tell you, folks, if that ever happens, you're winning nine times out of ten. And I would kind of say ten times out of ten. McCall Bridges, 11 points. Jay Crowder, 10 points, four rebounds. DeAndre Ayton, 15 points, 10 rebounds. Landry Shamet, like we said, 16 points. And then Chris Paul, 12 points, six assists, five rebounds. Off the bench, Cameron Payne, 11 points, five assists. JaVale McGee, 17 points, eight rebounds, and only 15 minutes. That's absolutely amazing, folks. And then Cameron Johnson, 13 points, 5 rebounds. Everybody involved in this Suns team. Everybody getting it done. And that was the reason for the big 20-point win, 118-98 last night. Alright, so that was all the NBA from last night. Let's see if we can make any money on the NBA tonight, folks. I'm feeling good. Where is the value? Uh, what do we got? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. 
Eight, eight games on tonight. So let's see where the value is and see if we can make a little bit of money tonight, folks, and make up for that non-bet of Knicks minus five last night. That will haunt me forever, folks. Not taking that. Will always haunt me. All right, but here we go. Tonight's action. We got Heat at the Magic. Heat plus seven. Magic. Heat minus seven, Magic plus seven here. You know, this Heat team, you know, winning decently, being competitive without Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo. That's really impressive here. The Magic, though, we just can never bet on them. Besides Cole Anthony, there's just nothing great on this team. Now, what is making this plus seven here for the Magic a little interesting is that Cole Anthony is coming off a really bad performance, so we could probably expect him to get it done. But Cole Anthony is a game-time decision, so just too much uncertainty here. Not a great line we'll stay away from it next game up here is the Nuggets at the Hawks Nuggets plus three and a half Hawks only minus three and a half I think I like that if everybody's good to go here for the Hawks tonight we will definitely swallow the minus three and a half there is no value in betting the Nuggets folks it's just joking yes joking's very very good but they don't have that number two Aaron Gordon is not the number two you need to win games and be competitive in games consistently folks it's just not the man it's unfortunate uh, so here we go for the Nuggets. We get Austin Rivers a game time decision. Uh, so we'll keep an eye out on that. And then for the Hawks, Bogdan Bogdanovich is still out, but that's really all, folks. So, ooh, do we swallow the three here for the Hawks, folks? Man, oh man, it is looking appetizing. Clint Capella versus Jokic. I think Clint Capella can handle it a little bit down low. Trey Young just got engaged, so I'm sure he's going to be, you know on cloud nine in Atlanta tonight. I'm swallowing the three and a half here, folks. Hawks minus three and a half. Loving the value. All right, next game up here is the Warriors at the Celtics, and this spread is not making any sense to me, so I'm assuming a lot of Warriors players are out. But here we go. Warriors minus three, Celtics plus three? What are, what are you talking about? Easy peasy, Warriors, if everybody's healthy here. But let's see. Um, Actually, it's just Jordan Poole is out. Wow, that's it. For the Celtics, we get Al Horford out. Japari Parker is out, and Grant Williams is out. So one of their bigs, we know Al Horford is a huge, piece of this Celtics offense, folks, and that's why we don't believe in the Celtics deep down the road because they still are rocking with Al Horford in the starting lineup. So, Warriors minus three, what is this spread? What am I not seeing? I don't know Jordan Poole as, you know, going to hurt the Warriors a little bit offensively. Jordan Poole's been fantastic from three, just putting up that production offensively in the points department. But, I mean, it's the Celtics, folks. Am I missing something here with the Warriors? Because this doesn't make any sense to me. But we'll take it anyway. Warriors minus three. Damn, damn, damn. That seems like great value to me. I don't know if that's a sucker bet, but I'll take it. Warriors only minus three. Absolutely fantastic. Alrighty, getting some good games here. Then we get the Bucks at the Pelicans. Bucks minus two. Pelicans plus two. Everybody good to go here for this Bucks team. What do we got here? Brooke Lopez is still out. Chris Middleton, a game time decision. Giannis is out. Ooh, and this is the big kicker right here of why we have to stay away from the game. Bobby Portis is out. That's fine that Brooke Lopez is out because Bobby Portis fills in for him, and he's absolutely fantastic doing so. But now you don't have Bobby Portis, and you don't have Giannis. Who's going to be playing the big here? Who's going to be playing the big? I'm staying away from this one. Um, And then for the Pelicans, Kiara Lewis, he's out for the season like we know, and everybody's good to go basically so Valanchunas may be able to get it done tonight folks and honestly let me play around I may 
let's play around for a second here. A potential prop bet. Can we do game props? I, I want to see the rebounding totals for Valanchunas. Because if we get like 12 or less, I think that's a great prop bet value. Can we do that individually? Player props. Let's quickly see if we can play around with this. First field goal, definitely not doing that. But Jonas Valanciunas of the first field goal at plus 500. I'm kind of liking that. I think Valanciunas could absolutely eat up tonight, folks. All right, so what do we got? I want Valanciunas rebounding numbers. Anything like that that we can find. Uh, Valanciunas plus 25 points. Uh, I don't know. Jonas Valanciunas, 25 plus points and 14 plus rebounds. I just want the rebounding numbers, and it doesn't look like we are going to be able to just get the rebounding numbers. Unfortunate. So... Hang on, hang on, hang on. Oh, we found it, folks. Hang on, we just found it. Here we go. Jonas Valanciunas over 13 and a half rebounds at plus 105, folks. I know we just set the number at 12, but I'm just going to go for it, folks. I think Valanciunas is going to be absolutely monstrous on the boards. No Bobby Portis, no Brooke Lopez, no Giannis, so no beef down low for the Bucks. No kind of um, opposition for Valanchunas to be bodying down low. And Valanchunas has been absolutely dominant this entire season when he's by his lonesome out on the floor. So, Pelicans at home. Stars are aligning. The odds are plus 105. So, fantastic there. Over 13.5 rebounds for Jonas Valanchunas tonight, folks. We are getting into the prop business as well, folks. We're taking spreads and props tonight. I'm loving the value tonight in the NBA. All right, and we still got four more games to talk about. Man, oh, man, this could be something, folks. This could be a big old money-making night. We already got a three-team parlay. Let's see if we can keep it up here. All right, then we get the Spurs at the Jazz. Jazz minus 11 and a half. We know the Jazz are deep. We know the Jazz are good. I just don't want to swallow all those points when we don't have to. We got three other good games. No need to push it. Then we get the Lakers at the Timberwolves, and this is going to be an absolutely great game. Uh, and it's uh, this is on TV. Yeah, this is going to be great, folks. Man, oh, man. Uh, seems to be a doubleheader tonight on ESPN. This uh, shows it's on ESPN. Fantastic. 10 o'clock, Lakers at Timberwolves. LeBron, game-time decision. Russell Westbrook is out, and Anthony Davis is a game-time decision. For the Timberwolves, everybody is good to go. So the Timberwolves, minus 2.5 there, looking like extremely good value as long as their big three are on point. I think we'll stay away from it, though, and just enjoy the game. Uh, then we get the Hornets at the Blazers. Blazers, no bad ability there, even with Damian Lillard. Uh, Hornets, plus 2.5. Blazers, minus 2.5. No great value there. We'll, we don't bet on the Hornets like that. Not just quite yet. Um, and then for the last game of the night, the Grizzlies at the Kings. Grizzlies, Kings, nothing great there. Grizzlies, minus 5.5. Kings, plus 5.5. No bet ability on either of those teams. So we fizzled out there a little bit at those last four games, but that's fine. We've got great games and great value tonight, folks. So we are officially taking Hawks minus three and a half, Warriors minus three, and Jonas Valanciunas over 13 and a half rebounds tonight. Loving it. Three-team parlay plus 647 odds. You bet 100 on it, folks. You win 747. 747 full of women and cigars. Get money. Yes, folks? Let's get money tonight.
Alrighty, that is all the NBA we had to go over for today. So let's shift gears a little bit into the NFL. And before we get into the game from last night, there are a couple of stories and topics I want to touch upon, talk through, and uh, see where we go with these stories, folks. So here we go. The first one up, we're going back to the Urban Meyer situation. And Adam Schefter puts out an article to, today, this morning, that I quickly want to you know, glance over, skim through quickly to see how they're all feeling in the locker room. Now that ding dong, the Wicked Witch, the Wicked Witch is dead. No more Urban Meyer here in Jacksonville. So here we go. Jaguars quarterback Trevor Lawrence said his team's coaching changes gives the locker room quote focus and clarity and absolutely folks Urban Meyer is a maniac folks listening and reading everything that has came about and what has Urban Meyer has done this entire um you know season so far with the Jaguars it was just absolutely manic, folks, kicking his players, saying, hey, dipshit to his players. Like, that's so juvenile. That's absolutely manic. Going to other grown men coaches and calling them losers, folks, and saying, check your, like, can I see your resume? Explain your resume to me, folks. That is manic behavior. And honestly, I'm a little shocked that people aren't going even, like, harder on Urban Meyer for this folks I mean just think of all, everything that Urban Meyer has done what coach has done any of those things in the, in the history of the NFL you never see Bill Belichick doing that and Bill Belichick would have the right to kick his players and say hey asshole you're garbage and make your kicks and Bill Belichick could literally go up to anybody and be like what's your resume explain and break down your resume to me I need to hear Bill Belichick would have the right honestly to go to his coaching staff and players and demand all that stuff from him. Urban Meyer obviously does not have that same, um, the same accolades that Bill Belichick does. And we get Bill Belichick not acting like an asshole while having the accolades to potentially act like an asshole, right? So Urban Meyer, I mean, a complete maniac here. And now everybody is seeming to be feeling free and loose and that's why a little bit of a spoiler alert for folks we really like like betting on the Jaguars this week is it our official pick you'll have to say stick around a little bit to the end of the show to find out here but we love betting on the Jaguars this week folks wink wink yes okay all right, here we go. Let's uh, read this article quickly and see what people are saying now that this man is finally out and is not terrorizing this team anymore. So here we go quickly. After 11 months of miss missteps, mistakes, embarrassing moments, anonymous reports of strife within the coaching staff and between head coach Urban Meyer and players, the Jacksonville Jaguars just want a little peace and quiet for the rest of the year. Folks, yes, peace and quiet in the locker room. People hate outside distractions. If you talk to any NFL coach the one thing they'll tell you is that we want no distractions in our locker room and Urban Meyer was actively keeping everybody on their toes afraid of him and you know when I say they're afraid of Urban Meyer it's not that they're cowering in the corner these are grown men folks these are athletes these are warriors they're not afraid of people folks that's not what I'm saying what I am saying is that they're just constantly kind of just looking over their shoulder and being like is this dude going to come and, like, fuck with me today? Is this guy just going to come and have, like, the most backhanded 
compliment. It wouldn't even be like a backhanded compliment because I'm sure Urban Meyer's not handing out compliments. I'm sure it's all just backhanded anecdotes from Urban Meyer. That's how they're afraid of this man because he's going to ruin the energy. He's going to ruin the chemistry and just make it a miserable workplace and a miserable environment to be in. That's why they are kind of scared of Urban Meyer, folks. So, yes, the Jaguars just want a little peace and quiet. Can you just shut the fuck up, Urban? We are all losing. Do you not think we know that we're losing? Do you think we like losing? Obviously not, folks. Everybody that's been playing in the NFL has been playing football their entire lives, folks. You don't get into the highest level of a sport without having some competitive edge and some competitive spirit. That's why we hated so much when Urban Meyer got brought back into the NFL this season because everyone was like, oh my God, he's such a warrior and a competitor. He deserves this shot. Oh my God, he's trying and working so hard. Only a true uh, competitive person really could do what Tim Tebow has been doing. Folks, that was driving us crazy the entire year. It's nonsense. Everybody's got that competitive drive if you are a, 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 if you are a professional athlete. So, yes, yeah, just please some peace and quiet around the locker room. All right, here we go. Uh, quote here by Lawrence. Quote, he's very even keel, Lawrence said on Bevel. So, obviously, this is the right decision. Moving off of Urban Meyer for Daryl Bevel, folks, because he's even keeled. He's not going to ruin the, the chemistry and ruin the mojo just around the locker room by terrorizing his players and personnel. So, quote, he's very even keel, Lauren said of Bevel, who has also served as the Detroit Lions interim head coach for the final five games of the 2020 season. So this man knows, hey, uh, you know, I know how to kind of take over when, you know, the captain is kind of ousted in a, uh, a team sport. So he's got some experience there. Another reason why we are going to like betting on the Jaguars this week, folks. Wink. Ah, wink. All right. Um, a quote, always the same person never gets too high or too low. That's something that I respect and that I can level with. This is coming from the face of the franchise, Trevor Lawrence. This new interim head coach is even keel. Always the same person, not a maniac Urban Meyer who's literally like kind of Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde when kind of things are going good. Urban Meyer's like, oh, great job, guys. Big smile, thumbs up. But the slight, slight start of things going wrong, Urban Meyer turns to, who's the bad one? Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, are they both bad? I haven't read it in a while, folks. I think it's Dr. Jekyll. Oh, no, Mr. Hyde. Mr. Hyde's the beast. Dr. Jekyll, yeah, because he's the doctor. He created the medicine. It's uh, Mr. Hyde that's the beast. So, Urban Meyer turns into Mr. Hyde and is like, you fucking pieces of garbage. Y'all cannot play. Who said y'all can play football? Where did y'all learn to play football? University of Phoenix Online, huh? So at the start of things going bad, that's what they were dealing with with Urban Meyer. But now Daryl Bevel, even keel, not too high, not too low, wanting to get the best out of his players. And that's how you do it. And Trevor Lawrence says, quote, that's something that I respect. That's something I-R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Folks, nobody respected Urban Meyer. I don't even think anybody liked this dude. The only person that likes Urban Meyer is his daughter. I don't even think his wife likes him anymore because we all know the instance. 
So uh, Trevor Lawrence respecting Daryl Bevel, folks. And I can level with that. Level-headed, even keel. That's what it takes to win a championship. You can't be a maniac and get to the Super Bowl. Name me the last head coach who was a maniac that won the Super Bowl. John Gruden, but that was a special case because, you know, he inherited that good Bucks team, yeah? And um, John Gruden was still a maniac with the Raiders, and that's why they were still trash, so... Uh, we are getting maniac coaches here at the NFL, and those need to be kind of cut out as soon as possible. I think we are maniac free. Now that Urban Meyer is gone, now that John Gruden is gone, I don't really see any other maniacs as head coaches. There's really not. Dan Campbell's uh, a little bit of a maniac, but in a different sense, a good sense, where he's very hyped and likes to kind of, you know, be energized, and that's a good kind of maniac. Urban Meyer's the bad maniac. <laughs> Absolutely maniac, maniac. All right, back to the quote here, back to the article. Quote uh, by Trevor Lawrence again. Quote, so I'd say that's the biggest thing that we need right now. Someone that's consistent and just move forward and push past it. Everyone just wants to move past Urban Meyer. Fresh, clean slate where nobody has to look over their backs. It's a good day here in Jacksonville, folks. It's bright. It's shiny. There's sun it's sunshine and rainbows and daisies and all that. Bees, butterflies fluttering around in the air. No big deal. It's a huge, huge new era here in Jacksonville. All right, back to the article. Quote, uh, there's certainly a lot to push past the hiring of strength coach Chris Doyle, who was accused of making racist remarks and bullying black players at Iowa. Videos of Meyer behaving inappropriately with a woman that was not his wife in a Columbus, Ohio restaurant and bar. The failed Tim Tebow. Okay, yes, we, we don't have to go through everything that he's done. We've done that in plenty the last couple of days here. I uh, just want to read these quotes by Trevor Lawrence. We're getting uh, more here, so let's read the lead up to this quote. Lawrence and owner Shad Khan both characterized it as drama and it undoubtedly had an impact on the morale inside the building and the performance on the field. The Jaguars are 2-11 and and are coming off a 20 to nothing loss at Tennessee, the fourth shutout loss in franchise history. Damn. Quote by Trevor Lawrence, quote, I wouldn't believe you if you told me this is how the year was going to go. I think it, the coaching change, brings a little bit of clarity to the guys in the locker room. I wouldn't say relief, but I would say just bring some clarity and some direction moving forward. I'll say it for you, Trevor Lawrence. It brings the relief, the sigh. Oh, thank goodness. I don't have to get terrorized by Urban Meyer breathing down my neck, ready to kick me if I do something wrong. Quote uh, by Trevor Lawrence again, quote, you know, we really want to go and finish the season strong. And to be honest, it's been hard the last the last week with everything going on. And there's a lot of things being strong. Uh, stirred up, I think, by the outside too. That didn't help and made it a, made things a lot worse. But I also, but also everything that's going on, it's hard to be focused and have all your attention and efforts going towards winning the game when there's so many things going on. So, um, Urban Meyer, obviously, the outside, you know, media storm about it all day. It was like every day something new coming out. So I get that on Trevor Lawrence's, you know, part of hey, you know, media kind of, you know, bringing it to the attention now everybody's talking about it if it's at least kept in the locker room they can all kind of deal with it internally but now you get the outside noise and now everybody you know weighs in on it and all that um all righty we got anything else here uh i think we can go maybe one more quote here 
So here we go. Both Lawrence and Griffin said, quote, relief wasn't the right word to describe the atmosphere inside the locker room, but it sure sounded like that's what it was. Last quote here by Griffin says, quote, um, quote, I think focused is the right one. I feel like there has been a lot going on and to see how everybody is focused on what's going on around in the locker room and trying to figure out what has been going on the field and trying to make changes. I feel like that's the right word to use. Then practice in seeing the way the offense attacked the day. It was amazing to see. I feel like we need to see that. We needed that. They needed that. And it's a boost of confidence. And I love seeing that. I feel like definitely the right word is focus. The focus in the locker room is definitely there. And that's where it needs to be. Just keeping the main focus on this organization and the guys that are playing. It's been looking good in the locker room for sure. Why we are loving the Jaguars minus three and a half so let's just do it now folks we've we've been winking enough here we've been spoiling it enough here and that's why we have so much confidence in betting the Jaguars minus three and a half so one last time take a look at these um NBA betting odds we're gonna close them out here Hawks minus three and a half Warriors minus three Valanchunas over 13 and a half rebounds we absolutely love it but our official pick this is in our 99% guarantee section folks one of our three 99 percent guaranteed picks this week is Jaguars minus three and a half. I wish we didn't get caught on the half a point hook here, but we're still going to take it anyway. The locker room, everybody is focused. Everybody is wanting to win to prove their resume to Urban Meyer. They want to prove to Urban Meyer, hey, it was actually you that was holding all of us back, the coaches, the owners, the players, everybody. It was Urban Meyer holding them back. Jaguars Jaguars minus three. Everybody is focused in the locker room. There is clarity now. There is a sound-minded individual at the interim head coaching position. No more maniac Urban Meyer on the sideline holding this Jacksonville Jaguars team back. I believe Trevor Lawrence is going to be playing loosey-goosey, hopefully pushing the ball a little bit deeper. Maybe Trevor Lawrence was afraid to push the ball down the field because he knew Urban Meyer was going to get ready to absolutely unload on the man. He unloaded on a kicker, literally kicking the kicker and calling him a dipshit. You think, I'm, I'm sure Trevor Lawrence heard about that or saw it going on. It was like, oh, well, I don't want that to happen to me. I don't want to get kicked. I don't want to be called a dipshit, so I'm just going to kind of, you know, be, try to be as efficient as possible, keep my head down, and not try to waver here and get on Urban Meyer's Dr. Hyde's bad side. So a new day here in Jacksonville. Everybody's feeling focused. Everybody's kind of feeling relief, even though they're not using that word. They keep bringing up the word relief, saying, hey, that's not really the right word, but yeah, kind of something like relief. So everybody's relieved. Everybody's focused. Everybody's ready to get it done. Oh, and the best thing, the Jaguars are at home, and they're facing the Texans. This is the winnable game, folks. Truly the most 
most winnable game here for the Jaguars at the current moment, and it could not have come at a better time. I just see everything aligning. Urban Meyer's out. Everybody's focused. Everybody's relieved. Everybody's ready to uh, prove it was Urban Meyer, the reason why they were losing. I mean, could you imagine if they win this game, folks? Screw the spread. Screw all of that. Jaguars win this game by 1 point, 2 points, 20 points, 50 points, blue points, red points, bluefish, redfish, all that. The Jaguars, they would, the players themselves internally would be like, see, see, it was Urban Meyer, and they would be so... I don't even know. They would be so liberated. The Jaguars, every single Jaguar player would be so liberated if they could just get the win here and just look at Urban Meyer. Don't say anything. Just look at Urban Meyer because they all know what they're all thinking. It was that jackass, garbage leader, and maybe a little bit of a garbage human being that was holding this team back. Jaguars minus three and a half. I absolutely love it, folks. Davis Mills. Does Davis Mills play spoiler on a liberation day in Jacksonville? I I don't think so. We give Davis Mills a little credit for playing his best game last week, but at the end of the day, it's still not resulting in the wins. It's not anything threatening, and we're still betting the Jaguars minus three and a half, folks. Love, love, love the pick. Alrighty, so feeling good to uh, kind of exit the article here. And then once again, Shaquille Griffin, who we just heard from the quotes here, another quick quote here said, quote, we need a head coach that actually believes in what his players are saying. Once again, we love the input from coaches to players and all that. Last season, Bruce Arians talking to Tom Brady about the draft. Hey, you know, who do you like? Who do you don't like? You know, tell me about it. Talk to me about it. We're not going to 100%, you know, just, you know, follow you blindly, but we're going to take you your your critiques and criticism and just overall feelings into consideration here. I love when coaches do that here and Shaquille Griffin wants the same here. At least a little input. Hear us. Can you just hear us and show that you're hearing us? Urban Meyer was not listening to any of his players because his players weren't winners. Urban Meyer was a winner. So Urban Meyer was like, I'll listen to the winner here and I'm the only winner. So um, everybody can shut up and do their job or you're going to get kicked. Who wants to get kicked? Yeah? Okay, I didn't think so. Shut your mouth and go play football. So, Shaquille Griffin just wants a head coach that believes in what his players are saying. Not kind of, you know, hawking down their resume whenever they bring up a point. Oh, you think we should run the sweep here? Well, what's your resume? Have you ever ran a sweep? Has your decision of running a sweep ever resulted in a positive play? Because you know how many sweeps I've ran at Ohio State? I have gotten a net yardage of 12 million yards on sweep plays. When have you ever ran a sweep? You haven't? Then shut up and get back in line. I don't want to hear from you. Literally, that's what Urban Meyer was doing on the daily in practice, folks. And then what do we got here? Um, interim head coach Daryl Bevel on running back James Robinson. Once again, a huge reason why the Urban Meyer was, you know, um, on the hot seat because, you know, not utilizing his best players and benching his best players and then being questioned about it and then just being like, okay, you can go back in. So Jaguars interim head coach Daryl Bevel on running back James Robinson says, quote, James Robinson is our starting running back and he will be played as such. So already they're using their players. They're going to use James Robinson this week because he's their best running back. 
and we believe James Robinson will get it done. He's ignited. He wants to prove Urban Meyer wrong. It's just everybody wanting to go out and prove Urban Meyer this week. Um, prove Urban Meyer wrong this week. Jaguars minus three and a half, folks. I'm loving it. Jeez. Alrighty. Um, so that's all the updated Urban Meyer news. Oh, hang on, hand. There's this one quickly here. I just want to quickly take a look at this. Um, didn't have time to really vet this one before the show because it popped up on my feed like five minutes before we went live here. Uh, so just want to quickly take a quick look at this. Um, the tweet is everyone hates that motherfucker. Uh, listen to this awesome story about how detested Urban Meyer is among other coaches. We're all about that. We know the Jaguars player in that article. We're all kind of tiptoeing around truly calling it like it is. So let's see if uh, this tweet here by Barstool Sports provides that kind of punch that we need here. All right, so here we go. Uh, quote, because everyone hates that motherfucker and they would be punching him in the face so much, nobody would lay a hand on me. Everyone despises noted scumbag Urban Meyer to the point that he's the first to come to someone's mind to use as a human punching punching bag in a brawl of coaches. You absolutely hate to see it. <clears throat> Personally, I can't believe a man known for treating people like Zach Smith with such loyalty and respect would be disliked among his peers. I'd be willing, willing to bet he managed everybody on the same level of esteem. Um, all right. Um, just trying to read some of these quotes here where Urban Meyer, everyone wants to hate him. So here we go. Urban Meyer hired all these assistant coaches 10 months ago, and he's just now telling them they're losers who needed, who need to defend the resume. He apparently doesn't grasp that if a bad assistant that reflects poorly on him as a head coach. I mean, yeah. all right. So I don't think, um, this is really what I was looking for. Uh, we get one more quote here. I guess we should end this because I don't think this is what we were looking for. Um, but here we go. Um, no, that's what we've seen already. So, okay, this, that's nothing new. We're done with that. Urban Meyer's a clown, a piece of garbage. We all know this. All right. So that's why we try to vet things a little bit so we don't get garbage on the show like that, folks. We don't get garbage on the show. That was kind of garbage. That wasn't showing us anything. All righty. Next story I want to quickly touch upon here folks and once again not great by Deshaun Watson back in the news a little bit here so a report going on today this morning Deshaun Watson being investigated for indecent assault and search warrants have been issued for his social media accounts Ugh. now we are going to kind of start ramping up the Deshaun Watson news maybe a little bit more uh, since we're kind of approaching the end of the season I believe the first kind of uh, like we knew Deshaun Watson wasn't going to play this season because we knew the court process was not going to finish up the season and it has been slow but I believe it's going to kind of start ramping up in kind of January February a little bit where we'll know a lot more information about what's been going on with the Sean Watson case and all that new information, new evidence being kind of, you know, revealed and all that. Um, so, you know, we're starting to get into the thick of it here a little bit with the Sean Watson and we're starting to get our first kind of little preview here. So let's see what we get here quickly in this article about Deshaun Watson. So here we go. More bad news for Deshaun Watson. According to the Houston Chronicle, the Houston Police Department have at least nine reports accusing Watson of sexual misconduct during massage therapy sessions, quote, with search warrant records showing that investigators are eyeing indecent assault, a misdemeanor crime, as a possible criminal charge. 
And then we get the tweet here by ABC News Houston saying, quote, breaking search warrants issued for Deshaun Watson's social media accounts. Three search warrants signed in October to collect data from Watson's Instagram and Cash App usage. Those two things are never great when they're kind of combined together. Instagram and Cash App. Instagram videos, photos, Cash App, sending money. Do y'all see the kind of correlation that could be going on there? Sexual misconduct, massages, all that. Do y'all see it? Uh, Potentially not good for the man. They are going for the digital receipts. Reportedly, these shed light to the Houston police's criminal investigation into the athlete. The search warrants detail accounts from nine women who say their encounters with Watson devolved from massages to misconduct. Massages to misconduct. Not good. One is professional. One is an actual service. And the other is not good. Misconduct. Misconduct. Not good conduct. There it is. Uh, So here we go. The women involved reported that they received cash app payments after the sessions with some amounts ranging from $100 to $300. Damn. Um, You know, I would say that's a little cheap. When I was thinking, you know, Deshaun Watson, I think he'd be thrown around the money, but only $100 to $300 cash app payments for misconduct. What is going on there? Uh, Court records added that in two incidents, the Houston Texans quarterback pressured the women into performing fellatio. Jeez. One licensed massage therapist told a story of meeting with Watson in June 2020 for a massage without incident. However, the second session at the Memorial Area Hotel... He asked for oral sex. The women, quote, felt as if she had no choice, the investigator wrote. Now, that is, you know, that's what muddies the water here. That's what, you know, truly makes it hard um, to kind of, you know, accuse and truly say that Deshaun Watson is 100% guilty. We know the whole thing about power positions and all that. Uh, But, you know, at the same time, you do have to stand up for yourself and say no. And I know it's hard. I've never been put in that position and I'm a man so I probably won't be put in that position so I can't understand it to a hundred percent and I get that and I understand that and that's what makes this case so hard so we'll truly see what kind of comes out as we progress through this lawsuit and the investigation and all that but it's gonna be real hard and it's not gonna be cut and dry I don't think and everybody's gonna be talking about it because that's what people do especially in courtroom drama we've just had a ton of trials the last the last year I mean it's been filled with trials y'all see social media y'all see how people talk about things so this is probably going to be one of those things folks so the women said quote felt like as she had no choice choice felt as if she had no choice Watson allegedly did the same thing to another woman at the same hotel in December 2020. Quote, Watson expressed to her that he wanted to support her small business. The investigator continued. The investigator added that the oral sex happened and then Watson proceeded masturbated, uh, proceeded to masturbate. Instead of receiving the $150 for the session, Watson paid her $300. Damn, so... Is it is it okay to make 
smurfy jokes about this? I don't know, folks. I don't want to get canceled like this. I mean, just to watch somebody masturbate, you get like another $200 bonus? I would say that's that's pretty good. No. Um, Watson's lawyer, Rusty Harden, has denied wrongdoing by the quarterback, saying any sexual encounter that occurred was completely consensual. As far as his career goes, Watson has not suited up for the Texans at all in 2021, as we know. So that's kind of the newest addition here, the new, newest update here on Deshaun Watson. Cash app payments from $100 to $300, wanting oral sex, asking for the oral sex, also masturbating after the oral sex. So a man can, you know, go a couple of times. Um, so that's what we've got here with Deshaun Watson, folks. We'll see what keeps coming out here with the man. All right, next thing quickly here, we got to talk about Dak. And, you know, we saw Jerry Jones, and we didn't talk about this article in the quotes. And um, I don't know if y'all heard about him. I'm sure y'all did. But, you know, Jerry Jones kind of said, yeah, Dak's a little bit in, in a slump right now. And I kind of agree a little bit. The lackluster second half of last week's game was truly a bad taste in our mouth for Dak Prescott in the entire Cowboys offense here. And, you know, we've been telling you the connection between Dak Prescott and CeeDee Lamb just needs to be tighter and way more consistent. And now we get Dak Prescott kind of answering about a little bit of all that. So here we go. Cowboys quarterback Dak Prescott denies he's in a slump, but says, quote, but I'm definitely not up to my standards. So he knows he can play better. He's not calling it a slump. Let's kind of see what his true words are here and what he's saying. Is there any more insight or clarity of what's going on here? And if we should be buying or selling this Cowboys team heading into this week? And should we be betting on the Cowboys this week against another division rival on the road again? Also swallowing a, uh, swallowing a lot of points. What do we make of the line? So let's quickly see what Dak Prescott is saying in this article. Doesn't seem like there's too much in here, so we can go through it quickly. So here we go. Every athlete slumps, even the great ones. Just not all of them are comfortable admitting it. Whether Prescott is in one of those is in one has been a sore subject this week in Dallas. Cowboys owner Jerry Jones didn't want to use the S word himself, but admitted it was, quote, a fair description of his quarterback's recent play. Mike McCarthy disagreed with the notion that the pro bowler is slumping. Prescott concurred with his coach. And I would say, is this a slump? Let's quickly see. Let's get up Dak Prescott's uh, career stats quickly here. I just want to see, you know, his game-by-game -game progression of his stats. Do we notice? noticeably see a visual downtrend of his numbers overall so let's quickly get that up quickly and just on the overall slump we've just seen the offense not be great for a full four quarters and I would kind of say if you do say that Dak Prescott is slumping, I would kind of say you would have to say Dak Prescott is kind of slumping in the middle of the games folks as well um, so here we go. What do we got just kind of completion percentage-wise? Every single game that he's played so far, we're just going to rally off the numbers. So 72% completion percentage, 403 yards, three touchdowns, one pick. A, uh, that's game one. Game two, 85% completion percentage, 237 yards, zero touchdowns, one pick. 80% completion percentage, 238 yards, three touchdowns, no pick. 63% uh, completion percentage, 188 yards, four touchdowns, no picks. 68% completion percentage, seven, 302 yards, three touchdowns, one pick. 70% completion percentage, 445 yards, three touchdowns, one pick. I mean, the first six weeks of the season, folks, that is kind of all on the same. Very, very good, highly 
productive level of play that really resulted in two wins. They were one, two, three, four, five, and one during those first six weeks. Then Dak missed a couple of games. Comebacks week, comeback week nine. So now from week nine all the way up into present day week 14. Did we see a noticeably sharp downturn of what he did during those first six weeks of the season? So here we go. Uh, week nine, 48% completion percentage, 232 yards, two touchdowns, one pick. 77% completion percentage, 296 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. 65% completion percentage, 216 yards, no touchdowns, two picks. 68% completion percentage, 375 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. 65% completion percentage, 238 yards, one touchdown, one pick. And then the final game here against Washington, 56% completion percentage, 211 yards, one touchdown, two picks. So what we're seeing is completion percentage dropping. We're seeing yard totals be all over the place. And we're not seeing those big touchdown totals consistently like we did in the first six weeks of the season. Multiple in interception games as well we can't have that so yeah just looking at the numbers folks I would say these are slumping numbers I think I would have to agree with the s word on Dak Prescott unfortunate but let's get Dak Prescott's side of the story here here we go <clears throat> Prescott concurred with his coach saying quote I do realize that I'm not playing my best ball haven't been playing it have been some poor decisions you could say I wouldn't say it's slump material, but I'm definitely not up to my standards or expectations. So let me get the definition of slump. Should, are, are, are we using, you know, are, is, is, um, you know, is slump a little bit too harsh for what we've seen stats-wise for Dak Prescott? So slump, uh, sit, lean, or fall heavily or limply, especially with a bent back. That's not the slump we need. Definition number two, undergo a sudden, severe, or pro prolonged fall in price, value, or amount. And now that's it. Falling price uh, uh, in value. Falling in price. So, um, similar words, plummet, plunge, tumble, drop, go down, slide, uh, decline, decrease, crash, nosedive. I would say a little bit of a tumble. I, I think that's the word that we should use. I don't know if we're full-on slumping here with Dak Prescott, but a little bit of a tumble, I would say. Uh, tumble. What do we got? Fall suddenly, clumsily, or headlong. Move or rush in a headlong or uncontrolled way. Fall rapidly in amount or value. Fall rapidly in amount or value. Fall rapidly in value. I would kind of say that's Dak Prescott. Is tumble more severe than slump now? Because I'm reading this this uh, description, fall rapidly. Um, I would say that's a little bit more severe than undergo a sudden severe. Uh, sudden severe. <laughs> sudden severe or fall rapidly I would say yeah I would say still slump is a little bit more of a charged word than tumble so yeah I think we're good on settling on the word tumble for what Dak Prescott is going through at the current moment a little bit of a tumble we are not going to officially use the s word folks okay what else does Dak Prescott say the struggles are strong enough that Prescott was asked if he is quietly nursing an injury. And, you know, remember, we got the hard knocks with the injuries. We all saw how that went and all that. 
Uh, so he says, quote, I'm fully healthy, 100% healthy. Thank you, though. Thank you. So Dak Prescott trying to, you know, say, like, shut the fuck up, basically. Um, do we get one more quote here? What's this last quote? Here we go. With the QBs, and they blank out the word, with the QBs, SL, blank, blank, and that's kind of, you know, the slump word, but we're not using slump, we're using tumble. So with the QBs, sl Er, slide has come a fair amount of criticism. Uh, quote by Dak Prescott. I think I'd be lying if uh, if I said I hadn't heard of it, but in a sense, it does provide motivation. I've been doubted my whole life, so in a sense, I'm actually gla glad it's kind of come back. So, Dak Prescott's using this as fuel to the fire. That's what they all say, but at the end of the day, you have to go out and get it done. Tumbling Dak Prescott, does it truly transpire into a full-on slump? We'll see what happens this week. All right, um, those are all the stories that we had to cover quickly here, but now let's talk about uh, some COVID because obviously that's been wrecking havoc here. So we get Case Keenum has tested positive for COVID-19 for the Browns, so no Baker Mayfield, no Case Keenum. So now it's going to be Nick Mullen starting this week for the Browns. Not good. Uh, Browns also have four other defensive players that tested positive for COVID-19, bringing the total uh, Cleveland players with the COVID-19 positives with 20, 20 players tested positive for COVID-19 for the Browns. So definitely stay away from betting the Browns this week. They play tomorrow, Saturday at 4.30, folks. Raiders at Browns. Browns plus three and a half. Stay away from this one. We are not taking this pick. Way too many COVID cases. Way too many COVID cases. And then Baker Mayfield uh, kind of speaks up about it. He takes to Twitter. Never anything great to take to Twitter to. But uh, Baker Mayfield on Twitter says, At NFL, make up your damn mind on protocols. Showing up and making only three teams test? All these, also, you can keep the game as scheduled to make money. Whoa, whoa. Accusing people of making money. That never really goes good. Uh, accusing people of making, of kind of putting health aside to make money, Ugh, never great there, so Baker Mayfield taking, uh, taking on the NFL in public, folks, real interesting, we saw LeBron James kind of, you know, call out the NBA, but he did it a little cryptically, did it at the NBA, and just said something's fishy with fish emojis all over the place, Baker Mayfield getting straight to the point, NFL, at NFL, make up your damn mind on protocols, showing up and making only three teams test, also, you can keep the game as scheduled to make money. Ooh, so Baker Mayfield a little fired up about all the COVID positive cases in um, in Cleveland here, and I think he has a, you know a little bit of a right to be upset here, trying to make the playoffs, trying to you know get the big contract, trying to save his face, trying to just make everything work here. And COVID is actively holding this team back a little bit. So we'll see how this progresses as well. Um, and then uh, for Washington, and this is going to keep us away, you know, and this is a little bit of a spoiler of our picks. We're going late here today in the show, uh, but a little bit of a spoiler in our picks, folks. We were loving Washington plus nine, and y'all heard us say that yesterday when we predicted and reacted our first time looking at these week 15 lines. Loved Washington plus nine, but now Taylor Heineke um, is out with COVID-19, and we already knew Kyle Allen was also out with COVID-19, so now they're going third string, backup quarterbacks here for Washington. So the plus nine for Washington balloons all the way up to plus 12, and it's still not good value. So it's 
If Taylor Heineke was playing this week, I would have took the Washington football team plus nine points. Unfortunately, that is not happening anymore. And then some good news here. Uh, Dolphins head coach Brian Flores says running backs Miles Gaskin and Salvin Ahmed cleared COVID-19 protocol and will be at practice today. So some players are going on the list. Some players are getting off the list. Thank goodness for the Dolphins. After the bye, everybody's seeming to test out of the COVID-19 protocols. So the Dolphins are good to go, basically. I think we're just kind of waiting on Javon Holland, the safety. And I think we are still waiting on Jalen Waddle, the wide receiver for the Dolphins, to come off the COVID-19 list. And that would definitely just be fantastic for the Dolphins overall if they could do that. All right, those are all the stories that we had to go over um, and touch upon in the NFL. So now let's shift gears a little bit here to the Thursday night game from last night and start talking about it. So here we go. Chiefs at the Chargers in a great game overall. 29 points scored in the fourth quarter. And what's up with that? All these crazy kind of fourth quarter large scoring totals. And then we also got, you know, just kind of mid-game, big scoring totals that second quarter, Bears-Packers game where everybody was putting up the points. Scoring is infectious. And, you know, we all know you can score just like that here in the NFL. The fourth quarter was no different. Final score, Chiefs get the overtime win, 34-28. to They get the ball first in overtime, and Travis Kelsey does his thing, folks. And we'll talk about Travis Kelsey in a second, folks, and it's great. The stats are great. Can't wait to watch it. Uh, we'll, we will watch his highlights every single catch by Travis Kelsey. Man, oh, man, we got to watch those highlights, absolutely. Uh, but the main thing, obviously, to talk about here is Brandon Staley, folks. Rides going for it on fourth down all the time, often as heck, and we do don't know what to make of it, folks. I know we just said this week. Uh, let's kind of track what we've said about Brandon Staley so far. Uh, at the very beginning, we knew he was very aggressive, and we really did not like it, and we kept not liking it. But they kept kind of winning. They have an uh, an uh, an eight and five record heading into this game. Um, eight and five, right? Yeah, because now they're eight and six. That's fourteen. This was week fifteen. So yeah, uh, they were eight and five heading into this game. So. It was getting it done. They were winning. They were moving the ball. We just didn't love how aggressive he was in the fourth quarter. We really didn't like that. But then the last kind of two weeks, we changed our tone a little bit, and we let just this man live. We were just going to let this man live. We weren't going to kind of knock him for it. We weren't going to villainize him for going for all these fourth downs over and over and over again. I just still want him to reel it in a little bit for fourth down down attempts last night night and I've got no problem with you going for it on fourth down but let's get a little bit more situational with it this first drive the very first drive of the game ends on a fourth down attempt folks first drive of the game here they get a big kickoff 64 yards uh getting it all the way down to the Chiefs 24 yard line but then the drive stalls a little bit after the big kickoff they only had a four yard run then a 15 yard run and then pass and complete pass and complete pass and complete fourth and goal at the five yard line folks and Brandon Staley still goes for it this would be an a, a, a probably decision not to go for it here you're at home you got a big play The passing is not working. You just had three straight incompletions. This is the start of the game. The two plays 
that had positive positive yards were both running plays. So Justin Herbert's not warmed up yet. He's not primed to make a big play just quite yet. You you're on you're at home. Make a statement. Get the points first. Cash in. You can cash in because you had a great kick return. Something positive happened. You had a big explosive play. Cash in three points for that. Get out to a three nothing start. Instead, they go for it on fourth down. They don't get it. The Chiefs go down, score a touchdown. Then Justin Herbert, now back against the wall, not warmed up yet. He throws a pick, and the Chiefs score a field goal going up 10-0. Now, the Chargers were able to weather that storm because, you know, Justin Herbert's still great. They've still got two great wide receivers. And Brandon Staley, overall, is still a good head coach. He can still scheme and get it done and still move the ball. They're just uber-aggressive. That's all it is. We still have faith in Brandon Staley, though. So they're able to weather the storm. Two touchdowns, 14 to 10 now. Uh, the Chiefs fumble the ball, and they go for it again on fourth down right before halftime. Fourth and goal from the one-yard line with three seconds left. You could have taken a seven-point lead heading into halftime. And I know an 11-point lead would have looked good as well, but... <clears throat> You don't get the ball out of halftime. So, you know, at at worst, at absolute worst, the Chiefs can tie the game 17-17 with the ball going back to you, tie game, and you had the chance to take away the momentum. But they go forward on fourth down. They don't get it. The Chiefs, luckily for the Chargers, only score three. So the Chargers still hold a 14-13 lead uh, early in the third quarter. Um, so they're still always in it, and these decisions truly didn't kind of crush Brandon Staley in the kind of um, real game, but, you know, hindsight and, you know, replaying the game and Monday morning quarterbacking and Monday morning coaching, or I should say Friday morning coaching, um, you know, you add those kind of three, six, nine, missing out on kind of nine points there. You go into overtime, and you lose in overtime. So, Brandon Staley being aggressive, folks. It's the big discussion today. Good choice, bad choice. I guess, and like I said, I can't knock it because he's so confident. He's never wavering. He's never, uh, all right, I'll set out the punt team, then calls the timeout and be like, no, 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 let's go for it. He's always so confident and willing to go for it. And for that reason, I don't think we can really knock Brandon Staley for doing that. Even Brandon Staley after the game. Here we go. Brandon Staley has no regrets on fourth down call and loss to the Chiefs saying, quote, that's the way we're we're going to play around here. That's This is the culture. This is the Chargers culture. We're aggressive. We're going to take it to you. Stop us if you can. And, uh, you know, if you can't, then we're going to be winning and scoring seven points. We're not settling for field goals. We're not punting the ball. We've got Justin Herbert, uh, the potential greatest quarterback of all time. I would say he has the potential to be that. It's a long shot because Tom Brady's just, I, I can't even think of what is going to look better than Tom Brady. I can't even imagine it, but uh, Justin Herbert is still young. He can do whatever the hell he wants. So potential, I've got the greatest potential quarterback of all time, 6'6", beefy, I mean the prototypical quarterback size, folks, exactly Justin Herbert. Big, strong, beefy, cannon of an arm, can utilize his legs, cerebral, smart, all of that. So Brandon Staley being unapologetic here, and I think I respect the heck out of him. This could have been the easy game to waver and be like, yeah, we should have taken the field goal here, here, and here. Um, you know, we would have won the game, we would have had two possessions lead, all that, all that, all that, but no. No, that's 
the way we're going to play around here. Setting the tempo. They brought in Brandon Staley to win the close games. If they wanted to keep losing the close games, they would have still had Anthony Lynn as the head coach. Or they would have got another kind of um, a little bit of a puss head coach that isn't as aggressive as Brandon Staley. So I still think I'm keeping it that um, we, we are not going to knock Brandon Staley. And in Brandon Staley, we trust on the fourth down call. We are just going to have to live and die by the fourth down conversions. That's what the Chargers are. Now, the Chiefs tried to get a little like that. They did go for it on fourth down once. Did not get it. And then we also had Andy Reid also going for field goals as well in this game. I believe they scored... Uh, uh, two field goals in this game. So they, you know, Andy Reid, a little bit more smart. Maybe Andy Reid's seen, well, obviously Andy Reid's seen more than Brandon Staley has. So we get kind of, you know, Andy Reid, who's won a Super Bowl, who's been very, very highly successful in his coaching position, still going for field goals uh, with Brandon Staley. Young, maybe a little bit of inexperienced, naive head coaching here, being uber aggressive and headstrong. Only time will tell if Brandon Staley's decision is the right decision. But I think live living in it, I don't think we should be knocking Brandon Staley for these decisions. They still, you know, they went down, marched down, uh, you know, tie game. They marched down and scored a touchdown. They have a seven-point lead now, and then, you know, unfortunately, the defense gives up a 75-yard drive to Kansas City to tie up the game and force overtime. So it's not like, you know, all these decisions by Brandon Staley, you know, led to the Chargers getting blown out, and it took a comeback from behind, um, you know, approach there in the fourth quarter to make the game competitive. No, they were kind of actively leading this game after getting down 10-0. This, this was the scoring from just from the get-go. I guess we should just start from the beginning. We get 7-0 Chiefs, 10-0 Chiefs, 10-7 Chiefs, 10-14 Chargers, 14-13 Chargers, 21-13 Chargers, 21-21 tie game, 28-21 Chargers, 28-28 tie game, and then 34-26 final score. Chiefs get the win. So really close game. Chargers able to come back down 10 nothing, able to get some solid leads, able to kind of, you know, put the pressure on the Chiefs, but at the end of the day, it's Patty Mahomes, it's uh Travis Kelsey, it's Tyreek Hill, and it's a good coach in um Andy Reid. So Ugh, ugh. Overall, our opinion, Brandon Staley, we are not knocking this man. Uh, I just want to quickly see any other good quotes here in this article very, very quickly. Uh, this is a big one right here. So here we go by um, Brandon Staley. Quote, from, from where my mindset is, I know that the quickest way to win a game like that is to score touchdowns, not field goals, especially considering who's on the other side. And that's absolutely it. Patrick Mahomes can flip it just like that, like we saw him flip it just like that last game. 10 nothing, really easy like that. Uh, quote, to me, when you feel like you're in an advantage situation, when you don't feel like it's a gamble and you feel like it's an advantage for you, then that's going to be our mindset. 
I don't think that any decision that I made tonight was a gamble. We felt like it was an advantage situation for us. That's why we did it. If we didn't feel like that was the case, then we would have kicked a field goal or we would have punted. That's the way we that we are going to do things around here. I know that our team embraces that mindset. We're going to continue to do it every game we play moving forward. And now that's the biggest thing right there uh, by Brandon Staley that's truly making us say, hey, we're siding with Brandon Staley to be this aggressive, saying, I know that our team embraces that mindset. When you've got a head coach that is so confident in your ability to get it done, that's infectious to the team. The team buys into the coach, and because the team buys into the coach, the team just buys into the game. They all buy into each other, and they will do whatever it takes to win the game. Um, so... I love that right there, a true player's coach. I mean, we were all praising John Harbaugh for, you know, discussing with Lamar Jackson real early on in the season. Hey, Lamar, should we go for this? Even though, of course, they were going to go for the two-point conversion, whatever it was. But it was active input by Lamar Jackson. from or It was active input from Lamar Jackson by John Harbaugh, the head coach. And Brandon Staley's doing the same thing here. So we still give the credit to Brandon Staley right there for being aggressive. We believe that's always going to be the right call. He's unapologetic about it. This is their identity. And for that, we are on the Brandon Staley train still. Alrighty, so the Chargers unfortunately come up a little bit small here. Let's finish off the Chargers numbers here, and then we will get into the greatness that we saw by Patty Mahomes and the Chiefs. Alrighty, so here we go. Chargers. Justin Herbert goes 22 of 38 for 50. Is that right? 57% completion percentage? Damn. Damn. 22 of 38. Jeez. Uh, 236 yards, two touchdowns, that one pick. Really bad, but he was able to overcome it. All right, Justin Jackson, 13 rushes for 86 yards. Austin Eckler, 12 rushes for 59 yards and a touchdown. And then Justin Herbert took off five times for 16 yards and a touchdown as well. Uh, who was Justin Herbert slinging the ball to? We had Keelan, Keenan Allen, six catches for 78 yards and a touchdown. Mike Williams, three catches, 49 yards. Jared Cook, three catches, 32 yards. And that's what we love about um, Justin Herbert as well, alongside Brandon Staley's great offense here, is because they give it to the wide receivers. It's like every single week when we break down these Chargers games, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams are always the top two leading receivers. It's never the tight ends and the running backs to dink and dunk game. Even though that this Chargers team has a really good kind of dual threat running back in Austin Eckler who could, you know, get like eight targets a game, eight catches a game for like 80 yards. That could be it. But they go to their strict receivers here. This is a prototypical passing offense here and the Chargers for the most part get it done more than they don't. Uh, so we had Austin Eckler, four catches, 23 yards. Josh Palmer, one catch, 15 yards. Justin Jackson, one catch, 13 yards. Steven Anderson, one catch, 12 yards. And Jalen Guyton, two catches, 10 yards, and a touchdown. We also had Joshua Kelly fumble the ball. We had uh, Justin Herbert throw the interception. So off the turnovers, off the interception here, results into three points for the Chiefs. And the fumble results in an interception thrown by the Chiefs. So they gave up three points on the turnovers. You know, so the three points with the turnovers, the three points all over the place, potentially getting the field goals instead of, you know, not getting it on fourth down, potentially change the shape of the game. But Brandon Staley still doubling down, and I guess we respect the heck out of it. 
Alrighty, now the Chiefs now. Patty Mahomes. Right, what do we say, folks? Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Tom Brady. Doesn't matter what they do in this game. Interceptions, multiple turnovers, lackluster throwing. I mean, you know, we've all seen, you know, and I even overreacted to the bad, uh, you know, throws from Patrick Mahomes on the crucial four, third downs and the fourth down. Uh, you know, ball just kind of slipping out of his hands, not grabbing the laces and just throwing an absolute lame duck. We saw those. He also threw an interception that resulted into seven points by the Chargers. He overcomes that. He goes down, down seven points, drives down, gets the touchdown, gets the ball in overtime, and ices the game just like that. That's what Patrick Mahomes does. That's what Lamar Jackson does. That's what Tom Brady does. Whatever they do during the course of the entirety of the game, they will always have the ball in their hands last possession to make up for all those mistakes and that's exactly what Patrick Mahomes does and that's why we did have to change our vote we did have our Pro Bowl voting special last night 7 p.m. Eastern yesterday it's up on our YouTube it's on the podcast formats it's all over the place if you want to listen to it but after this game we did well before the game uh, you know, we kept Patrick Mahomes out of our top six Pro Bowl quarterback votes. Uh, but after this game, I had to go and turn it around, and I ended up swapping out Dak Prescott for Patrick Mahomes. So uh, I think there was still time to do that. We submitted the votes. Um, but uh, that's what Patrick Mahomes is. Absolutely fantastic. Absolutely spectacular. And we were able to see that last night, which is always great to see. So, Patrick Mahomes goes 31 of 47. 31 of 47. Absolutely fantastic. 65% completion percentage. We love it. 410 yards. Just slinging the ball around. Three touchdowns. One pick. Like we said, the pick um, you know, turned into seven points for the Chargers. Not great. Patrick Mahomes also fumbled as well, and that fumble led to a turnover on downs by the Chargers, so a potential three points there. Once again, it's just man, oh man. We're, mm, mm, hindsight always is 2020, folks. We try not to, you know, weigh hindsight, you know, a billion percent, anything like that. But we are still saying Brandon Staley's decision. He's so confident in it, folks. Uh, we can't second guess it. That's how he's playing. That's the overall, um, you know, kind of agreement by the players as well. Who are we to say that that's not what they should be doing, folks? Just because nobody's ever done it before, just because it looks a little reckless, I mean, they're still in the game. They were still in this game. They still had the lead with about a minute left. I mean, we can't, I don't think it's right to knock the Chargers for going all those fourth downs like that. Um, but I know there's a lot of opinions out there. Everyone's talking about it. Obviously, you have your own opinion. We're not going to stop you from having your own opinion. We will tell you if it's wrong or not, but that's <laughs> that's a different story. Um, so, Patrick Mahomes looking absolutely fantastic. Uh, Patrick Mahomes was the leading rusher, actually. Uh, three rushes for 32 yards. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, nine rushes for 32 yards. And then Daryl Williams, five rushes for 12 yards. And then who was Patrick Mahomes slinging the ball to? Now this is what we're talking about, and we're about to watch the highlights in a minute, folks. Travis Kelsey. Travis mother-loving Kelsey, folks. And I think after what we just saw last night, uh, everybody could pack up their bags at Tight End University. You can have your parents come pick you up. Uh, session is over. Um, semester is over here at Tight End University. We've seen enough. It's Travis Kelsey. He's the greatest tight end, folks. Man, oh, man. We have the 
stats to back it up in a second here. But Travis Kelsey last night, 10 receptions for 191 yards, two touchdowns, the walk-off touchdown in overtime, absolutely fantastic. Tyreek Hill, who I'm still calling is the best receiver in the NFL, folks. Number one receiver in the NFL is Tyreek Hill. Number one tight end is Travis Kelsey, and they're both on the same team with one of the top three quarterbacks in the league of Patrick Mahomes. How unfair is that? And we're going to watch uh, Tyreek Hill's uh, highlights as well and talk through those. But Tyreek Hill, 12 receptions for 148 yards, one touchdown, third leading receiver. So we had 191 yards by Travis Kelsey, 148 yards by Tyreek Hill. Third leading receiver, Brian Pringle, three catches for 22 yards. Um, Michael Burton, two catches, 20 yards. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, two catches, 18 yards. And Miko Harmon, two catches for 11 yards. But this is the stat right here, folks. This is the stat here that tells us Travis Kelsey is the greatest specimen that there has been in the NFL in its entire history, folks. Travis Kelsey has now reached 1,000-yard receiving yards for the sixth consecutive season. To put that in perspective, no other tight end has more than three consecutive with 1,000-yard receiving yards. Actually, no other tight end has ever had more than four seasons in their career with 1,000-plus receiving yards. So Travis Kelsey, six consecutive 1,000-yard receiving seasons and he's at the tight end position folks absolutely wild so there has been tight ends that have a thousand yard receiving that's really good but when we compare this kind of accolade thousand yard receiving seasons by a tight end we can compare that to Drew Brees throwing 5,000 yards multiple times back to back more than once no other quarterback has thrown 5,000 yards more than once besides Drew Brees and Drew Brees did it I believe four times and I believe he did it in back-to-back seasons as well let me double check these uh these numbers here But that's exactly what Travis Kelsey is, folks. He is the Drew Brees of tight ends. Here we go. Back-to-back 5,000 yards by Drew Brees. 2011, 5,476 yards. Absolutely wild. The following year, 5,177 yards, folks. He's got one, two, three, four. He No, no, no. He did three times in a row. Oh, my God. He did three times in a row, and it was so close to six times in a row. He literally would have been. The Travis Kelsey of quarterbacks. Six straight 5,000-yard passing seasons by Drew Brees, which is is such an impeccable, extravagant, fantastic number for quarterbacks. 5,000-yard seasons. Same things. Same thing with tight ends. Six consecutive 1,000-yard receiving seasons. So Drew Brees, 2011, 5,476 yards, 2012, 5,177 yards, 2013, 5,162 yards, three straight seasons. Then in 2014, so close, 4,952 yards, 48 yards away from four straight 5,000-yard seasons. 2015, 4,870 yards, so 130 yards away from five five straight 5,000-yard seasons. And then in 2016, he's back in at 5,288 yards. And... I'm just, folks, 
this is why I wanted to say Drew Brees is the greatest of all time. Do you see these numbers here, folks? These completion percentage numbers, 70, 68, 71 with 5,000 yards, 63 with 5,000 yards, 68 with 5,000 yards, 69 with 4,900 yards, 68 with 4,800 yards, 70 with 5,200 yards, 72% completion percentage with 4,300 yards, 74% completion percentage with 3,900 yards. It's just absolutely immaculate, folks, and this man only has one ring. Oh, my God. If I could go back in time, I give Drew Brees a ring somewhere. I don't know which year it is, but I give that man another ring. Damn, damn, damn. All right, back to Travis Kelsey being absolutely monstrous here. Um, let's watch these highlights quickly, folks, because they're absolutely fantastic. We get every catch from his career high, 191 yards from last night. Let's watch this man absolutely kill it right here, folks. Boom, just sitting down right there. Can get into that kind of soft zone. Look back to the ball, catch it, and just easy peasy pick up, you know, first down. Set up screen, and he tries to stay on his feet. Unfortunately, that one gets blown up. So one catch went for zero yards, and he still had 191 yards. All right, next play up, Patty Mahomes escaping the pocket, looking for his favorite target, which is Travis Kelsey, wide open. Nobody within five yards of this man. The escapability, the buyability time of Patrick Mahomes, I mean, Travis Kelsey is the perfect target. He always comes back to the ball. He will always find the open spot and save Patrick Mahomes from a sack or just trying to kind of do too much and maybe throw an interception. So great job there by Travis Kelsey just to find that open spot, man. We don't need to watch it again. We know it was good. Uh, let's go to the next play. Um, Travis Kelsey just coming back. Look at that. Shows himself, shows his hands. Hey, throw to me, throw to me. They throw to him. Fantastic. Here we go in the second half. Down a point here. Travis Kelsey, boom, just dinking down. 10 yards. That's easy. Securing the ball right there. Almost fumbled, but he was down. He does not fumble. No official fumbles for Travis Kelsey. He's down. He's down. Alrighty, come on, next play in the red zone. What's going to happen here in the red zone? Here we go, play action pass, Patty Mahomes, pump fake, slings it to Travis Kelsey, and he's going to bring it right down to the one-yard line. Big body target, shielding himself from the defenders. I mean, this is just all textbook catching stuff here by Travis Kelsey. And then he finds himself wide open, down eight points here in the fourth quarter. Travis Kelsey, wide open, 20 yards, 30 yards down the field and then he runs for another 10 15 20 25 30 35 40 45 50 oh just short of the touchdown that's what Travis Kelsey does one play to him you move from your 30 to the one yard line your 30 to the opponent's one yard line look at this man in space the speed the speed the elusiveness he's a tight and big body folks down seven again in the fourth quarter, two minutes left. Travis Kelsey dinked down for five yards. A nice drive starter. Get the defense off balance. Then back in the red zone. Obviously, he's your man. Patrick Mahomes rolling out of the pocket. Finds Travis Kelsey low and away. Let's see if we get another angle here. I want this from the back angle. I truly want this from the back angle to show how well this was put on the money low and away. And I think we're going to get it right here. Fantastic. 
Travis Kelsey, a nice little in route. He's buying time. He sees Patrick Mahomes rolling out of the pocket. So he needs to get open. How does he get open? He retools inside and he's able to get that separation. He had no separation. Patrick Mahomes scrambling. He kind of recurves inside. And now you've got a nice kind of half yard of separation. And Patrick Mahomes puts it low and away. Low and away exactly where it should be. And just look at that. Eyes on the ball. Eyes right toward the ball. And that's just textbook catch. Secure the catch. Look it in. Touchdown. Bingo, bango. Mahomes to Kelsey, baby. What better connection is there in the NFL? I don't even know. Maybe Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill. Who's the common denominator? Patty Mahomes. Absolutely marvelous. Here we go in overtime. And there it is. There it is. Boom. Big strike for about 20-plus yards. Travis Kelsey with the little flip. Flex of the ball first, down the point to everybody. And once again, look how tight of a mother-loving window this throw is. And Travis Kelsey, eyes on the ball, looks in the ball. He's able to move upfield another 5, 10 yards right there. He's a monster of an athlete, folks. So cerebral, great hands, great athleticism. And once again, this mother-loving, tight-ass window of a throw. I can't even mother-loving believe. But it's so mother-loving good, folks. Ugh, ugh. And then here we go. I believe this is the game winner. Travis Kelsey, five-yard pass, and then he just goes down the field, weaving in and out of traffic, and the nice little celebration, three yards, and then the celebration after he scores, and he's having a good old jolly time there in sunny old L.A. in that beautiful, fantastic SoFi Stadium, and everyone's clapping. Everyone is celebrating and dapping this man up because they love Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey, great athleticism, speed. Height, strength, catchability, escapability, showability, and then also on top of that, a leader. The people love him. He's not Urban Meyer. Obviously, people actually respect him and actually like him. And Travis Kelsey, he's just the guy. He's the guy. He's a winner. He's a leader. He's everything that we love in an NFL player, and he does the tight end position absolutely proud, folks. Travis Kelsey is absolutely immaculate folks immaculate love it love it love it Alrighty, I want to watch Tyreek Hill, but we don't have time. We have to make our official pick. So uh, we've got time on tomorrow's show. We can do that. We'll watch uh, Tyreek Hill on tomorrow's show, but we got to get to our picks and close out the show here. Alrighty, so here we go. Let's refresh these lines, make sure these lines are up to date, and start making our Week 15 picks, folks. We absolutely killed it in the NFL betting world in Week 15, and we're ready to do even better this week. So let's remind y'all what we did last week. We do six official picks every single week, three locks. You can bet whatever you want. These are locks. They will always hit. 99, And then we do three 99% guarantees. We feel very, very, very confident about this picks these picks but we can see maybe potentially possibly one thing that maybe potentially possibly goes wrong that maybe possibly potentially hinders the bat but we still feel very good so last week our three locks bucks minus three and a half they win by six bango bango falcons plus two and a half easiest bet of the entire year we called it the best bet of the entire year falcons plus two and a half they win by eight bingo bango and then the one pick that we missed on all week long was cardinals minus two and a half they lose by seven 
Then our three 99% guarantees from last week. We had Chargers minus 9.5. They win by 16. Swallowed all those points. No problem. We had the Titans minus 8. Once again, swallowed all those points. It's the Jaguars. No problem. They win by 20. And then the Bucks minus 10. Once again, swallowing all those points. No problem. Or the Broncos minus 10. Swallowed all those points. No problem. The Broncos win by 28. Large, folks. 5 of 6 officially. And we're ready for the coveted 6 of 6, folks. Every pick hits this week, and we're ready to break it down. So here we go. Let's start with our three locks, folks. First lock up is going to be Bills minus 11. And I don't care. Josh Allen plays, doesn't play, bad ankle, acting up, all that. I don't care. Send in Mitch Trubisky. Send in me. Send in you. Send in nobody. Only rely on this Bills running game that has never relied on the running game or has established a running game. Or I think I don't think this Bills team has ran with a running back more than 10 times in a game. Have all of that. All of that. And I still swallowed the 11 here with the Bills. It's a Cam Newton-led Panthers team. It's a Matt Rule-led Panthers team. And now we're starting to see Matt Rule kind of be a little like Urban Meyer and just overall garbage, poor decision-making at the head coaching level. Bills minus 11 here. No viability in the Panthers. This is an absolute must win. And not only a must win game here by the Bills. A must win in dominating fashion. They must absolutely beat the brakes. Beat the absolute brakes. And rotors. And calipers. And shoes. Off this Panthers team folks. You must obliterate them. So much so that Cam Newton is saying... All right, I'm not back. Buttoning up his shirt. I'm not back. I'm sorry. I take it back. I'm sorry. I'm not officially back. I'm so sorry. Buttoning up the shirt, covering that Superman ass. And Cam Newton is on the next train to nowhere, folks, because he's not going to have a future here in the NFL after the Bills defense is done with them. Do you understand? Bills minus 11. We green lit it all the way up to, I, what, what, what was it? The most that we could take. Bills minus 25. I believe here we go Bills minus 25 and a half now Jesus keeps going up and we're gonna keep taking it folks Bills minus actually we're not even taking Bills minus 11 we are going actually folks this is our actual official bet of the week are y'all listening are y'all understanding no more Bills minus 11 we are officially taking this will count against us I do not care Bills minus 25 and a half that is what we are saying folks we would bet it all the way up to bills minus 30 if we could we'll keep track of this bet we will always increase it as long as it is increasing we will always fix our overall spread here to the highest maximum possible choice folks bills minus 25 and a half is an official lock are you listening to the words coming out of my mouth folks minus 25 points is an official lock of the week folks Panthers are absolutely a disgrace. Cam Newton is an absolute disgrace of a quarterback. Urban Meyer has really got me fired up about disgracefulness in the league, and I'm starting to see a lot of disgracefulness here in Carolina. Bills minus 25 and a half. 
Alrighty, our next lock this week, folks. We are going Dolphins minus nine and a half. Dolphins off the bye. Dolphins in the playoff hunt. Absolutely fantastic. We just got Miles Gaskin off of the COVID-19 list. Fantastic. Now we're still waiting for Jalen Waddell and Javon Holland, our, our uh, rookie safety and rookie wide receiver. We do need both of them. Um, Javon Holland's been an absolute monster here for this Dolphins defense. And Jalen Waddell's one of the best receivers in the league. Not rookie receivers, just overall receiver in the league. Two has been absolutely fantastic. Learned, I'm sure he learned so much off the bye. We know he just wants to learn and get better. And I'm sure he took that extra week to learn and get absolutely better. Now, with this Jets team, their offense is so lackluster and inconsistent, folks. There is no buyability, betability in this Jets team. Um, we get it right under that 10-point mark. So, you know, touchdown, field goal, win for the Dolphins. Bingo, bango, we cover our bet. Perfect spot to bet the Dolphins here at minus 9.5. This Jets team, the offense is so absolutely not good, folks. They don't do anything good. Zach Wilson cannot lead a team for a full four, full four quarters. And the one... Uh, thing that Tua does so well that people just toss aside um, and act like it doesn't matter. Tua wins, folks. The man is an absolute winner. When he needs to step it up for a touchdown, what does he do? He drives down the field and scores the ball. The man wins games. People take winning for granted so much. Trevor Lawrence has two wins. Zach Wilson has what? Two three, uh, two wins? I think they won without with Mike White. So that's a win not accredited to Zach Wilson. So we are getting quarterbacks that are winning two games and y'all want to say that they're great quarterbacks? Come on, you don't have that winning factor. Y'all love everything besides winning. Why is that? Two was the winner. He wins this week. Dolphins minus nine and a half. Alright, and then our last lock of the week, folks. We are going Rams minus four. Don't get caught up on the Seattle Seahawks two-game winning streak. It's two games, correct? Let me double-check this. Uh, they're trying to make their pl uh, push for the playoffs, all of that. They've won the last two games here. Just beat the Texans. It's the Texans. It's not that good of a win. And then the week before that, they beat the 49ers, went back and forth, all of that. They got it done. That's a good quality win right there. We'll give, we'll give the Seahawks credit. Um, they have faced the Rams earlier this season and got beat 26 to 17. So, you know, that's a nine point win. We only have to swallow the four here. The Rams are at home for this game where Seahawks were at home for the Rams in week five, a little bit earlier in the season. But the Seahawks defense is nothing great, folks. This Rams team truly cemented themselves as true contenders last week, beating the Cardinals on the road in immaculate performance. Such a clean performance by Matthew Stafford getting OBJ involved and not just kind of only involved they kind of uh, didn't force anything to him so everything is truly kind of clicking into place here where it was a little rocky for the first couple of games with OBJ but everything is smooth sailing seems like the genius that is Sean McVay has everything smooth as butter here and Matthew Stafford is just playing the best football of his entire career we broke down the numbers yesterday on our Pro Bowl show and uh, you know it, this is the best season kind of statistically that Matt Stafford has played so far they're winning games. We'll swallow the four here. No problem. The Seahawks offense is so inconsistent. Their defense is nothing special. Rams are ready to close out the regular season here at home. 
and they'll beat the Seahawks team no problem. We get the Seahawks team kind of sneaky, um, you know, with these two games. So everybody thinks this is a good team. This is not a good team. Just like the Rockets. I know we're going NBA, but just like the Rockets on that seven-game winning streak, we never bought into that, and people are still betting and uh, buying into the Rockets here, even though they're trash now. That's kind of exactly what we're seeing from the Seahawks. The Seahawks team is still very, very not good. The offensive line is still a problem. Russell Wilson, I don't know who's holding him back himself or the receivers or the play calling or whatever it is, but this is not a classic Russell Wilson, lead us to the promised land, do whatever it takes, sling the ball around, run the ball yourself. I don't know what the hell this Seahawks offense is. No resemblance of what made them so great of going back-to-back Super Bowls here the last couple of seasons. Rams minus four. I'm absolutely loving the value right here. Can't believe it's so low. Rams minus four. We will absolutely take that. Uh, we, we actually called the line Rams minus seven, folks. So we thought we were going to have to swallow more points. We don't. We're taking it. We're locking it in, and it is an official lock here. Rams minus four and Bills minus 25 and a half both have the same chances of absolutely happening, folks. Definite. Definite chances. <laughs> So our three locks this week are Bills minus 25.5, Dolphins minus 9.5, and and Rams minus 4, swallowing points this week. All right, now our three 99% guarantees, folks, feeling so confident about these. There is maybe one thing that potentially possibly goes wrong. We don't think it does, but we'll talk it all through. So here we go, our first pick and our 99% guarantees. We've already spoiled it, but we'll talk about it again. Jaguars minus three and a half. Here's the Cliff Nose version if you didn't see our earlier segment of talking and absolutely going crazy on this Jaguars team and how much we love them. Jaguars, they're at home. Great. They're facing the Texans. Great. No more Urban Meyer. Super gosh dang great. Everybody's feeling free. They feel free. They're feeling refocused. They're feeling re-energized. We're hearing that all that right from the horse's mouth, folks. Everybody respects this new interim head coach, Daryl Bevel. Trevor Lawrence uh, is just feeling focused. That was the mantra. We're feeling focused focus not relief even though they are kind of relieved they're feeling focused on this game now, why this is truly on our 99% guarantees, because of that half a point hook, I really love the Jaguars minus three. Now, this Jaguars offense still needs to prove itself. You know, it's got to get it done on the field, and that's something Trevor Lawrence has never done. We're really just betting on the overall feeling in the locker room right here alongside with the Texans offense not being that good of a team either. So would have loved the Jaguars minus three. The extra half a point hook may kill us. Jaguars win by three and we lose the bet. So we really would have loved getting Jaguars minus three, but we are still going to, you know, eat that half a point hook here. Texans, they haven't really done anything all great this season. This Jaguars defense has shown real great glimpses throughout the season. I would say about three glimpses so far this season of absolutely locking up other teams and good teams locked up the Colts at Indianapolis locked up the Bills won that game so they've proven that they can get it done in glimpses and I think it all comes out because they're so relieved that Urban Meyer is no longer on this team Davis Mills had the best game of the of his career last week I doubt he can keep it up two games in a row and I think this Jaguars defense truly is the big factor of why they win this game and we see the same Jaguars defense that we saw against the Bills and the same Jaguars defense that we saw against the Colts. Jaguars minus three, loving them this week. 
Alrighty, next pick here in our 99% guarantees. We are going Cardinals minus 12 and a half. Now, I believe DeAndre Hopkins is a little questionable and maybe won't play this game. But at the end of the day, this Cardinals team still has other great weapons to go with here. This Cardinals team has to win this week because they lost last week. They're facing the Lions. This Lions team is still trash, folks. We know this. Um, you know, they, they won two weeks ago. They lost last week. Still trash. Still can't move the ball. Jared Goff is still absolutely not good. And this Cardinals defense, ready and hungry for some blood in the water. They weren't really able to do anything that great against the Rams. And against this Lions team, it's going to be open season for this Cardinals defense. An absolute obliteration here by Detroit. No buyability. No bettability in this team. Jared Goff cannot move the ball. Running backs are a little bit of a factor here. They've got no weapons either. Cardinals, yes, even without DeAndre Hopkins, as long as they've got Kyler Murray, he can do it all himself. Cardinals minus 25, or yeah, uh, minus 12 and a half, uh, swallowing all those points. All right, and then our last pick here, we're giving this team all of our confidence, folks. We are loving what this team is. We are going Patriots plus two and a half, folks. Yes, sir. This Patriots defense, we believe they are going to absolutely shut down the running game of the Colts. They will do whatever it takes defensively to not let Jonathan Taylor run all over them. That's what the Patriots do. That's what Bill Belichick does. Takes away the thing you do the best. And obviously the rushing game is the best thing about the Colts. So now we get um, uh, Carson Wentz having to go and throw the ball over and over and over and over again. And having to make and go out and play mistake-free football. I don't know if he's up to it against a Bill Belichick-level uh, schemed team. Let me quickly do this. Let's bring up Carson Wentz's career stats here. See how many times Carson Wentz has faced Bill Belichick in the Patriots. And see what Carson Wentz has looked like here. I don't know if these stats are going to speak for us or against us. I don't know if Carson Wentz, A, has faced Bill Belichick or what his numbers do look like. But I'm assuming Bill Belichick shut this man down. So here we go. All of Carson Wentz's game logs. How many times, if any, has he faced a Patriots uh, team? So year one does not face the Patriots. All righty. Um, year two, he does not face the Patriots. Year three, he does not face the Patriots. Year four, he does face the Patriots and he loses 17 to 10. 50% completion percentage, 214 yards, one touchdown, no pick. That's good. No pick. No fumble. No fumble either. Did he not fumble? Oh, uh, we did fumble twice and lost it. Okay, that's what we're saying. He's going to get after Carson Wentz. All right, did he face him again Year next year up? Did he face the Patriots? He did not. Next year, did he face the Patriots? He did. Well, this is this year, and he did not face them so far. And he did face, the, well, he didn't face the Patriots in the Super Bowl. Uh, you know, his uh, replacement beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl. Uh, but he faced Bill Belichick once. Uh, two fumbles, one lost, poor completion percentage. So, yes, the Patriots plus two and a half. We are absolutely loving it.
So, our three 99% guarantees, we are going Jaguars minus 3.5, Cardinals minus 12.5, and and the Patriots plus 2.5 points. So, all of our picks this week, we are going Bills minus 25.5, Dolphins minus 5, or Dolphins minus 9.5, Rams minus 4, Jaguars minus 3.5, Cardinals minus 12.5, and and Patriots plus 12.5. This is the 6 for 6 parlay, folks. Let's see what this pays. Betting all six games, we're going to get great value because we bet up the Bills so high, but that's fine because we so strongly believe in it. So Patriots plus 2.5, Jaguars minus 3.5, Cardinals minus 12.5, Dolphins minus 9.5, and Rams minus 4. Let's uh, once again retool the odds here of the Bills to Bills minus 25.5 because this is going to be in a betting extravaganza, folks. This parlay could change your life. Are you listening? This parlay will change your life. This is life-changing money right here. Six-teamer plus 1,000, no, 12,452 odds. So if you bet 100 bucks, folks, you win $12,000. $12,000 on a $100 bet. You're telling me y'all don't have $100 that you can just throw away? Come on, y'all got $100. I see what y'all do with $100. Come on. Six-teamer, guaranteed. Bills minus 25 and a half, folks. Even with that, plus 12,000 odds. Go and make a little bit of money and be set for the rest of the year gambling. No? Alrighty, that is going to do it for us today, folks. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We are back live tomorrow, noon Eastern, uh, doing some pregames. We got games on tomorrow, folks, so we'll go down the, those two games maybe a little bit more in depth. Still want to watch uh, Tyreek Hill from uh, yesterday. Still want to watch Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers from last week to try and just uh, you know do a little experimentation in our MVP voting um, and uh, you know doing our NBA 10 and all that. So whatever comes up, we'll talk about it tomorrow here. Uh, it doesn't seem like anything has been... Oh, Jadavion Clowney just tested positive for the Browns. Miles Sanders and Jordan Howard will play for the Eagles. That's big time for them. Um, so still COVID is coming out here. Doesn't seem like anything big breaking news, so I think we are good to get... Oh, and Patriots downgrade running back Damian Harris. So yes, yes, we are still loving the Patriots plus two and a half because we're getting more Ramondre Stevenson. Absolutely love it. Alrighty, so that seems to do it for us today, folks. Alrighty, folks, here we go. We are out of here, folks. Have a great one. Make $12,000 this weekend. We will. So, alright.